Welcome to the Think Data podcast brought to you in partnership with DataWorks. If you want to stay up to date with the latest breakthroughs and trends in the world of data and artificial intelligence, and if you're curious about some of the strategies that companies and founders use to launch data and AI products, then you're in the right place. Our aim is to bring together a diverse lineup of fantastic guests from the founders through to accomplished leaders and product owners at some of the most fascinating data and AI companies worldwide. They will each offer you their own unique insight into what it takes to launch and scale a great data business. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to the Think Data podcast in partnership with DataWorks, and it is my pleasure to have Chaz Giles on the show today. I'm in person in New York following Chaz's awesome speech yesterday at the AI Summit. Um, He is the co-founder and CEO of Revia. Revia is a skincare company that uses AI machine learning to deliver personalized skincare products, and this is based on a person's individual biology. So... Mm -hmm. Really unique, uh, fascinating concept. I was fortunate to obviously watch um, the speech and listen to the speech yesterday. Um, but for those that don't know, um, Chaz spent just over 10 years working for Estee Lauder, Procter & Gamble, um, launched Revia with a co-founder about four years back, um, self-confessed skincare geek. Um, <laughs> he's here in New York, as I said, as a speaker. Really good to have you on. Um, Thank you for having me. No, pleasure. And it's, it'd be great to understand a bit more kind of alluded to your background, you know, you've been in this space for a while, mm-hmm. um, working for the likes of Estee Lauder and obviously uh, Procter and Gramble. But what is your kind of, uh, can you give us a bit of a kind of uh, journey of your background and, mm-hmm. and ultimately what led you to conceive the idea for Revia? For sure. Uh, I, I think like most things, hindsight's probably much more, um, m- much more beneficial or much more, um, gracious mm. i think in terms of the career arc from that because i think a lot of it was for me was really moving toward the things that just excite me and the things that i found interesting and that was always building and solving problems and so uh, i started my career at procter and gamble it was an amazing tracing training ground um you know the things that you learn at, at a brand building company like procter and gamble are, are obviously oh, the foundation of, of most things um i went from there actually to a very upstream group called futureworks which was inside of procter and gamble where we did a lot of the new business creation greenfield for the company. And so that was everything from uh, trying to work on therapeutic and uh, clean water delivery in bottom of the pyramid, uh, rural places like very rural India and things like that. Interesting. Um, all the way to, you know, kind of thinking about how do you stretch brands like Tide and Mr. Clean into dry cleaning and uh, laundry services, right, and car washes. Um, and so that, that really was where it started to scratch the itch of, you know, building and thinking about new concepts and bringing those to life. And uh, I went from that over to venture investing uh, with City Ventures, uh, so the venture capital arm of Citibank. And that's what brought me out to Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, did that for several years, um, launched my first company, which was uh, is called Mom Trusted. It was a basically early education marketplace. And so this is when the open graph first opened up on on the social side. Yep. Uh, so when my kids were little, I was going through that you know challenge of finding preschool, things like that. 
Uh, and really, you know, people were like, oh, I use Craigslist. And I was like, have you lost your effing mind? This is my <laughs> daughter we're talking about, right? Uh, so that, that was really the first jump into, okay, there's a big problem. And, and I know a lot of people face something like this. So, uh, instead of complaining about it, how do we start to build it? And, you know, learned a ton. Um, company still runs exists. Uh, didn't get, you know, exactly where I wanted it to be, but, uh, was one of those that, you know, the, that journey of being an entrepreneur was, was fascinating. Um, went from that actually over to Estee Lauder. Um, I knew, uh, a few of the people there uh, that were doing some interesting things and we were kind of talking about you know what the future of uh, CPG and consumer packaged goods was uh, and how technology was really starting to shape that and so uh, they asked me to come help them think about some of that from an innovation standpoint and so I was there for uh, about six or seven years you know really thinking about um, how to transform beauty overall and and using new technology uh, in that and I think that was uh, I understood technology I understood the consumer, I understood, um, you know, much of the things that were going on in that space, but it was the first time being a pure play in beauty and, and Estee Lauder obviously is an amazing company and mm -hmm. has done very well historically. Um, <clears throat> and so all these, you know, things that, uh, really existed within that space, uh, but continued to see gaps, right. And continued to hear the same things coming up from consumers. And it was always around, um, you know, kind of three basic questions, right? What's happening with my skin and my body, right? And why? And how do I take care of that? And even though there was lots of amazing products that, you know, we created and others created, no one could answer that. Uh, and this was the moment where you were starting to see a really interesting, you know, inflection point in machine learning and data science and uh, diagnostics that was opening up uh, kind of the next frontier. So if, you know, chips and physics and silicone was kind of, you know, the last mm. you know, several decades, uh, I very much believe that, you know, biology and chemistry is going to be the next several in terms of where technology goes and what really creates some interesting breakthroughs. And so we started to, to play and tinker around in that of what was possible. Uh, I was actually introduced to my co-founder through someone who now is one of our advisors, yep. uh, Dr. Joel Dudley, who ran precision medicine out of Mount Sinai. Uh, he then went over to Tempest, which, you know, did a whole lot of really interesting things on uh, data and AI for oncology research and things like that. Um, but he introduced my co-founder and I uh, and said, you know, the two of you need to talk, basically, okay. right? Uh, because my co-founder, Dr. Marstrand, uh, was the chief data scientist of Leo Pharmaceutical. Yeah, okay. And so he had been working on really interesting diagnostics, uh, working on, you know, kind of the how do you combine those diagnostics with ml and ai models uh to think about you know treatment of dermatological solutions and uh, you know i was thinking about very similar things of how do you create the model around uh using data and technology to fundamentally you know kind of improve the consumer experience what a journey and you're um for people that don't know your co-founder he's is he danish he he's danish yeah so he's well, in copenhagen uh so he's in based Copen out of there so we have yeah we have kind of a satellite or subsidiary office in copenhagen i see a beautiful place and it uh, is a great place more actually. so in spring and summer than, yeah. than necessarily right now not it's in the a winter a little, little dark little cold right now it's absolutely place, freezing now yeah, absolutely I'll, I'll stay in california <laughs> in the winter. i don't blame you yeah. <laughs> i'm really interested to dig on your time when you were in Estee Lauder and obviously with, um, with Procter & Gamble, you touched on something really uh, interesting just a minute ago where they are very established. They have deep pockets. They have uh, a well-known presence. Launching in a space, I think you referenced it's a $100 billion industry. Yeah. Um, so it's huge. The opportunity is massive, but it is typically uh, owned or dominated by a number of major players. Yep. What 
how are you going to compete? Because obviously the, the technology, the concept, the product is fascinating. It's obviously yeah. doing very well. But what is the kind of go-to-market strategy and how are you going to compete with guys that ultimately have tons of money and yeah. huge marketing teams, big go-to-market yeah. teams? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the first thing is um, there's a very real pain point. Yeah. So all of the the big players with all the deep pockets, um, there's still a very significant number of consumers who aren't satisfied with the solutions that are out there today. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so when you have that dynamic in the market, if you can fill that, there's still a there's still a gap, right? There's still an opportunity for yep. you to, to come in and and be able to deliver a better product, deliver a better experience for consumers. Uh, and I think if you beauty's a little bit different, um, and it's actually changed quite a bit over the last probably ten to fifteen years as we think about the distribution structures and things like that, uh, where when you were through primarily retail department stores, control the counter, uh, and everything was purchased in person, and that sales force, that distribution capability was basically a, a table stake of what you had to do to be able to participate in the industry, that made it much harder for small brands to, yeah. to be able to do that. Uh, in today's world, um, most of the big players are actually losing share, not to one another, but to indie brands, to small brands. Interesting. Uh, okay. Because the consumer is is looking for new, they're looking for innovation, and that hasn't historically come from the larger players. And if you look at the uh, kind of acquisition path and the acquisitive nature, much of the growth of companies like L'Oreal and Estee Lauder and, and things like that have come from acquisitions of brands that have proven something very interesting in the market. Uh, and they've been able to now take that and put that in their machine of capability to grow that okay. on, on a much larger scale. Uh, but that first you know, kind of start and the first value that was created was very much done at, at an early stage and kind of startup level. For us, uh, with that said, none of that is easy. No, right? None no. of that is easy at all. And so it is, beauty especially, is a very, very noisy place. Um, and I think with the move and pandemic and all of the rise in, in e-com, and, and that really forced a lot of the big players to up their capabilities in DTC because retail was shut down yep. and their normal channels were shut. And so that really made the space cacophonous. And so now I think there is a lot of work to really think about expanding the distribution channels, different go-to-market strategies, uh, because the tried and true, you know, social Instagram ads, things like that, uh, the CACs on those across CPG have doubled, tripled. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, as I talk to my investors and they look at their portfolio companies, they were like, it's outrageous right now uh, in terms of what that is. And so, you know, we've thought about that very differently. Uh, we have an, some advantage in the sense that uh, our ability to give a consumer a tool and education and value, right, outside of the normal channel of what a skincare company can do mm. uh, with our diagnostic that allows you to scan skin, understand exactly what's going on underneath the surface. Those are things that never existed before. And so we have uh, effectively a free tool yeah. that we can put out um, for consumers that really helps them in some very interesting ways and gives us a different way to think about that communication that isn't just, you know, magical ingredients inside of a bottle, which has been, you know, much of, of the kind of skincare marketing game. Yeah. Uh, with that said, uh, the other thing that we're, we're definitely doing, and this was learning and kind of adjustments that we've had as we kind of went out into market, 
uh, is we're really partnering with estheticians. Okay. And so because we know what we do is very advanced technically. Mm. Um, and, you know, you sat through the presentation yesterday. Yeah. Obviously, we went through a little bit geekier because we were in an AI summit. Yeah. So we could really get into, you know, things like latest models. It was fascinating to see we, it. <laughs> yeah, it really you, was. That we'd never talk about to a consumer yeah. of, you know, how you're using. <laughs> it would blow their mind, I think. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, we wouldn't be that far. But but um, it, it's a very complex technology. Yeah. And so not everyone can necessarily understand or it's not as obvious of how can you measure something that's under the skin from my phone. Right. Yeah. Um, but what we found, and we actually have a studio and store in San Francisco, you know, where our lab is and all of these pieces, um, we started to bring in estheticians because in a world where, um, beauty is in brick and mortar services obviously play a really big role. Yep. And as you're walking down, you know, like and you're in Soho, you're in the Marina where our store is in San Francisco, whatever it might be. Um, that idea of getting a facial, having an expert, you know, with a consultation makes a lot of sense. And so we saw this very natural integration between a new technology that makes an expert like an esthetician even better at their job. Yeah. Uh, and then gives them the ability to now customize and tailor the at home treatments that they can give to their clients uh, in a way that really builds credibility and trust because they understand skin. They understand how products work for that. We give them even more tools to be mm. able to do that uh, and then give them an ability to actually deliver better results uh, for their clients. And so this has been, you know, a way that we're working uh, really to think about distribution differently uh, in a world that is just so noisy and, and kind of, you know, the traditional channels. That is different. And I, uh, I guess as well, they're also your kind of uh, speaker to the market as well, aren't they? So they can obviously simplify to their kind of their customers Absolutely, exactly right. what you're, without scaring people off with all the yeah. you know, the RGB stuff yesterday was kind of blows your mind. Yeah. So if you were, um, for people listening to this, and I know we will tag Revia in, <clears throat> how would you explain Revia to my nan, for example? What, what, how, would you, how would you explain in layman's terms how it works? Yeah, so I, I think in the simplest form, um, we're using cutting-edge technology and science to deliver very innovative formulations, mm. right? Uh, and deliver formulations that are tuned uh, for biology. And that could be an individual biology, or that could be they are more optimized based on all the understanding we have uh, for very specific concerns. So it really is using the latest and greatest um, in technology and science and driving that into a formulation for you know, kind of that next level down then is we understand that skin is very different, right? Your and my skin yeah. is very different and we have different concerns. We have different lifestyles uh, and we have very different biology. And so what we've done has been able to create a diagnostic tool that can help understand your individual skin, your individual skin needs, uh, and then recommend the ingredients and formulations uh, that are going to be optimal for you. Yeah. And so it really is just taking all of that knowledge and giving you uh, a tool to be able to, to do that. So it's uh, kind of like, you know, what dermatologists, you know, did historically yeah. and would come in and, you know, give, um, you know, very detailed analyses of, of skin in this. But we know not everyone has a dermatologist. Not everyone can reach a dermatologist. And mm. uh, quite frankly, like we have, you know, equipment and understanding that even augments uh, what a dermatologist can see and understand. Uh, and so, you know, we're trying to to kind of bring that to consumers. Yeah, as, 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 as I alluded to at the top of this, I, I was fortunate to sit through that yesterday. And uh, I think everyone, yes, it was a very technically led discussion, mm -hmm. but I think the concept and the problem and the use case you're trying to solve is is needed. And equally for the larger companies, you obviously work for them. They don't really have that 
um, flexibility, right. um, maybe the resources, but not that, that the knowledge and the deep domain expertise yeah. that you do. I'm really interested. I know um, there were a number of startups yesterday. There was a lot of speeches around the AI piece, um, which is obviously kind of gathering some huge momentum, whether we're on the kind of top of a curve or the bottom of one, we don't know. But you've been involved in startups before from an investor standpoint, um, equally launching revenue yourself. How would you kind of, what are the kind of key steps you need to take to ensure your startup successful? You know, because obviously <laughs> there's a lot of people who listen to this who are either budding entrepreneurs or they are currently running their own business and they may be making mistakes but what would you kind of advise and how would you how do you approach it it's a great question i i think um first is probably not one formula right yeah and i think many of the formulas that have existed historically they change mm. uh and you know pers- uh, kind of connected to our our go-to-market conversation that we just had right uh the go-to-market strategy that was seven years ago mm. uh looks very very different now so I think from the biggest advice I give as I'm investing or as I think about, you know, starting things and running day to day, I think a lot of it is going to come down to a few buckets. Uh, the first one is just it's mindset. Um, there's obviously a lot of conversation <clears throat> and discussion around mindset and just, you know, what does that mean and, and how you approach your days and, and kind of your years. But I think the understanding that starting something from nothing is really hard. Yeah. Right. And from the outside, it looks spectacular. It sounds amazing. It's all mm. champagne and yeah. you know, parties, parties and, yeah. bubbles and like, you know, great exits and things like that. The reality is like most days suck. Mm. Right? Yeah. And you need um, to be OK with that. And you have to be OK. with Yeah. That, right. And especially as the founder. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there are a 100 things that you're going to have to figure out. And maybe 75 of those, you know. And or seven, 25 of them, you know, and 75, you don't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but you're tasked with figuring that out. Mm. And that, that is just you are chief problem solver. Right. Um, and so, I mean, let, let's be real. Like I had 90 percent of my operating capital in SVB. Yeah. Wow. I woke up one morning as I got on a plane. <sighs> wow. And as I'm landing, my phone is exploding. And, uh, you know, I had conversations that something were kind of maybe going down the night before. We had moved a little bit of capital for some uh, just breathing room. And then I wake up and I look and I say, I can make payroll for the next two cycles. And then I have no idea. Did I just lose the last three years of work because... Oh, wow. Failure? Like, how do you deal with something like that, right? Yeah, how did you deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then, and then, um, you know, we were our first round that we raised. Um, I had term sheets down uh, January 2020. Okay. No ideal timing. Yeah. Ideal timing, right? Uh, the world goes to zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And loose term sheets get pulled because no one knows what the world is going. And uh, you go, okay, now I was, you know, 25, 30 days away from getting started, moving, getting off the ground. And now, you know, you step back and go, I, I have no idea what the world looks like, yeah. nor if any investment is moving in the next year. Um, and it was another, you know, six or seven months before we put that back together. So it's it's these kind of things that, and, and those are the existential things that aren't the day-to-day, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I kind of quipped to one of my investors. I was like, it would be amazing if we can just deal with the hardship that's usually associated with building a business <laughs> yeah. instead of all these black swan events that yeah, continue yeah. to happen. So I think that first one, just mindset, just you know, being okay with that and having a really thick skin and being able to be your own hype man or hype woman 
to get up every morning and, and just go tackle it. Right? Yeah. And it's not easy some days. No, it's not. And look, I'm also a very different entity, but as a, as a, as a co-founder myself, you kind of, uh, you leave the relative comfort of corporate and you think, oh, you know, I'm going to become a founder. And then, yeah, you're right. You're making payroll, you know, your first <laughs> transactions, your, you know, it's interesting you touch on those kind of big points because I've got a kind of a mentor that, helps me kind of sanity check the decisions I make. Have you got the same kind of structures as someone sure. in your... For sure. Like, um, you know, some of that comes with the more formal side yeah. and boards and things like that. Others, uh, our mentors that, you know, this week I was having dinner with one of them who lives in New York and yeah. um, y- you need that, right? Like you need those sanity checks that come in. So I think, you know, I would say definitely mindset is is, is one of those. I think, um, you know, what we touched on before of just having conviction and really solving a, a real problem. Mm. Uh, because if you're solving a problem at the end of the day, it will work. Yeah. And your job is just to survive long enough to make that happen. And, yeah. you know, I think that's the the big thing. Many things in startups are not glorious and uh, startup is, you know, a combination of great ideas, great teams, great timing, which mm. equates to luck in many ways. Uh, and you can't control for some of these. And so sometimes it is just about, making that move and being relevant long enough where then the market understands it or a distribution channel understands it or pick whatever, yeah. um, you know, big company, big retail, big brand, whatever goes, ah, I've been looking to solve this problem and you are the exact vendor or, you know, you're the company that I need to buy for this platform technology. And all of a sudden it's, you know, overnight success. Right. Yeah. Um, but that survival is oftentimes, you know, feels like you're kind of drowning, right? And and so being able to to do that and make those decisions, um, and then I think the third thing I would say is um, really surrounding yourself with good people and being comfortable in the decisions that you make. And what I mean, and the reason I put those two together is having people that can, uh, as you said, kind of alluded to in the mentor, and give you sanity checks that yeah. that can check you in your thinking that can tell you the emperor has no clothes on. Yeah. Right. And um, your ability to surround yourself with those people is really important. And then I think your ability to make uh, decisions on people and teams quickly is also really important. I know you obviously spend a lot of time thinking about some of these things, but uh, I think those are some of the hardest decisions to make both in hiring and, you know, letting people go and changing as things work or don't work. Um, But they can be so consuming uh, both for a team as as well as for founders and in those types of decisions and um, but being able to make them and move on uh, both positively and negatively is is super important yeah um, because you know you have a team that still exists to be able to think about and whether you're adding in or or subtracting um, and you have your own kind of mind share to to be protective of uh, and that is the thing that you know none of us have as founders is is time yeah right. Um, I think you're completely right, and I think get get the talent, the people, the that piece right, and your business. They always say you want to hire people smarter than you, don't they? They want to say, but actually get that wrong, then the time and how far that takes you back yeah, it can, can 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 break a business. And I'm interested to dig on that because when with obviously Revia mm-hmm. growing now and things ebb and flow over time, that's that's a natural kind of evolution of a business, but. How important is it for you to kind of establish kind of some minimum standards, values uh, now that you will then subsequently hire against? What, what what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it, always important. Yeah. Um, 
they change, they shift. Yeah. Not not the values; those obviously shouldn't change and shift too much. But uh, I think the standards move and change as you learn more about the company, yourself, uh, interactions. I think the first bar of that is you know at the co-founder level. Like, yep. what are those interactions look like? How do you um, deal with adversity? How do you deal with the really trying times? Mm-hmm. And I think that sets a standard for you know how you interact with with teams, and then. You know, it, it's a very old cliche around, you know, A people hire A people and B players hire B players yeah. or C players. And, but, but it does come true. And I think really holding that standard to who comes in is really hard. And, and we faced a lot of struggle with this, uh, during like the run up, go back probably 18 months ago, mm. right? When you couldn't find someone in digital marketing, right? Someone that like, basically made an Instagram post was like, Oh, I'm an expert. And yeah. like, you know, command trying to command like a $400,000 salary. Right? And, um, everyone's in marketing these days. Yeah, and it, yeah. You know, obviously, <laughs> but like it was insane yeah. right? because this was in a pandemic. And so everyone from all the big players, everyone was, just, it was just this huge sucking sound of, you know, vacuuming up all of the digital marketing talent because everyone had to figure out their e-com game. Right. Yep. And that's a really hard moment when you go, I need talent. I have constraints of, you know, what you can pay, how you can do this, but I also have growth targets. And so how do you think about those, those Mm. conflicts? Right. Um, and so being able to have a more principled approach in what is important of who comes in under what terms someone comes in uh, and the same thing of who stays and yeah. what terms does someone stay. And, uh, I had one of my investors that I respect a lot told me once, like, look, when you're hiring, there's probably 50% of the things that you can evaluate before, right? At, at the hiring moment. Yep. And the other half, you're going to figure out as they go. Yeah. So you have to look at it, not of like, oh, I made this decision. It's a sunk cost. And now I live with these things, but rather this continual evolution of as the company moves and grows and changes, is the team right for that? Yeah. And, and I think that's hard, right? Especially when you care a lot about your team and your people. Of course you do. Um, yeah. You know, understanding that the business needs ebb and flow. And so the team is going to ebb and flow and change and, and dynamic. But, um, you know, people decisions are, are, are tricky. Yeah. And it, it's an interesting point because I think someone who's right for you now might not a be right for you down the line, but also may not be interested in that point of the journey right. they might be really right. interested and excited by this part but actually Absolutely. when you become a larger organization or get acquired or whatever happens down the line then their path may take a different right. and they may be right. a future entrepreneur and i i know you're obviously in new york um for the ai summit and i, and I obviously touched on something really interesting just a minute ago about a lot of ai companies um or ai based companies it's, it's around timing it's are they solving a problem and is it could it be luck? Is it is it opportunity? But how would you describe the current state of the kind of AI space at mm-hmm. the moment? Because you know we've obviously had open AI news the last couple of weeks. We have obviously Google just released their new uh, the new yeah. ChatGBT kind of rival um, yesterday. You know how would you sum it up? It's chaos. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. It's chaos. Yeah, like um, I obviously know it fairly well yeah right I, I live in in part of it uh my co-founder is a phd in bioinformatics so biology meets data science yep um so you know he's intimately involved in this and he is geeking out to to no ex- end right now and, is he i mean he he looked up and even being someone that is that talented and that deep in the space 
he was like the the rate of change right now he was like it is mind-blowing mm. right he, he's like there's things that we knew would be possible we thought it would probably be a four to five year horizon and it's six months that they're coming up and the rate of change is the rate of change is, is, yeah. is wild right mm. and um so i i think i think that's that's the first thing. It is just chaos, yeah. right? Um, from chaos comes a lot of opportunity. Mm. From chaos comes a lot of carnage. And so I think that idea of focus as you move through this, um, both for small and startups as well as for enterprise and big, um, is going to be really interesting. And I think the idea of what is your very unique proposition in the market is is going to stay there, right? Because yeah. I think a, a lot of the AI tools that are being built, um, they're going to be a feature, a great feature somewhere, right? So it's what is the staying power <clears throat> that's built around it. Mm. Uh, and then as we talked a little bit yesterday in, in kind of the, the speech, I think much of it is going to be the data and the training models that exist, right? So the technology and the models are going to get faster and better uh, and doing more amazing things. So it's how do you take those models and make them incredibly specialized for an application? And I think that's where there's going to definitely be a lot of wins. Um, I think there's a lot of caution in the things that we build and do. And mm. even, you know, we were early to the game in, in a lot of respects on using some of the, you know, MLAI things and, and skincare for sure. Um, and my co-founder was like, hey, some of these things that we built 18 months ago, he's like, as I watch these models, he was like, we probably have 24 months before they could be replicated on this. Wow. Thing. And um, so he was ahead of the game then to think actually how far ahead you were. Yeah, yeah. Point, I mean, we yeah. were, we've been doing this for four years. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, early is great sometimes. Early mm. is painful other times. So <laughs> yeah. it's probably been a combination thereof. Uh, but but um, I think the the ability to step back and say oh we created something interesting at a startup level like you have to be able to run at that rate of change yeah. and and so that's some of the things that we're thinking about as you know we start to look at some of the gen ai tools and integrating those into business practices and 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 i think it's it's going to be a matter of we have products that are touched and created by ai so instrumental in what we do and then we have processes that are touched and enhanced by ai which is just going to allow us to do more faster with a small team right yeah. and to your point of how do you compete with the big players well if you can do things that you know can take what it used to take a 20 person team to do and that's one person that gives that oversight or that's my co-founder building models and training them for you know two months to be able to now replicate that you have a really distinct advantage um it's about driving the efficiencies at every level isn't it if an ai yeah. or machine learning or the, the techniques and technologies can help you save time to spend more time on the interesting things and the yeah. product piece than actually you're going to become far more effective for it. Absolutely. And I, th and I think that's the other thing. I think that's going to be the challenge for some of the bigger players. And so I was having a conversation um, with a few people that I respect a lot this week and they were in a couple of larger companies and um, we're talking about some of their AI initiatives since I was speaking. They're like, Oh, you know, I'm doing these things. And uh, you know, I was, I was leading and responsible for these pieces of AI. And then I was like, Oh, really interesting. And they're talking. Um, and as they started to describe, it was, Oh, we're partnered with here. We're partnered with here. We're, you know, building these things out in this way. Um, and I had to take a step back and I was kind of like, Probably 75% of that is just going up in smoke, 
right? Because there's so much hype around, oh, we're going to bring AI to do this and to do that. And I think there's now a a big rush by a lot of deep pockets in the corporates to kind of bring tools in um, and a whole lot of people willing to talk about a tool they can bring in and sell them a tool. Um, But I don't think all the tools are ready, nor do I think many people necessarily know what to do with them. And so I I think there's probably a bit of caution in, in that as well of like figure out exactly what you want, understand how you're going to apply it and then go look for those targeted uh, kind of aspects. And and I sit on the board of a school as well where my kids are at and uh, their, their head of school was talking about AI and how it's mm. going to change learning. And it was really interesting because yeah, I have this day to day in startup. Uh, and then he was talking about an education level. And the advice I gave him was, yes, it's going to fundamentally change the game. But do I think this school and you as a head of school in the academic realm are probably going to be the ones that lead that charge and how AI kind of upends, you know, high school and, and middle school education? Probably not. It no. probably comes from somewhere else. So defining what things you could really use help from and then looking for those in the market where someone has developed that gives you a way to experiment. Yeah. Very focused versus how do we integrate, you know, AI into this? And I, and I think that's a, a bit of a tale of what's happening right now where everyone is, is in kind of in the rush to AI. And, and I'm often cautious when we even use, you know, AI because a lot of it is ML or expert yeah. systems and, and, and which isn't bad, right? No, 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 it's exactly. just using data and transforming data to help make better decisions, make the business function, right? Like go farther, faster. And I think there's a range of those, uh, but we definitely have, you know, some really amazing things and, and some really interesting hype cycles. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And I also think um, if their own kind of data house isn't in order, yeah. then no amount of machine learning or yeah. AI tools or tech is going to help them. And actually, I, I read this interesting stat that 98% of the Fortune 500 earnings calls this year referenced AI <laughs> in terms of their focus for the next year. Yeah. Um, but what's also very interesting is the talent, the lack of talent that's available. And equally, the people inside don't think they're ready um, but yeah. obviously the CFOs or the C-suite think, yeah, we need AI. It's going to yeah. completely revolutionize our business. But uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see where this ends. And I'm, 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 cl- I'm really keen to kind of close things off with uh, what we can expect to see from you guys over the coming months. I know you're obviously here in New York at the moment, coming from mm-hmm. obviously uh, from the West Coast. And uh, we will tag obviously Revia. There's, um, I think yesterday you shared a QR code where people could actually start to play around with the tool. Yep. But yeah, what, what can you say uh, in terms of what, what people can expect to see and hear from you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the question. Uh, I think... You know, the next several months are really interesting for us. We have uh, a launch of a new product line coming out uh, kind of February timeframe. And this will really be moving up into kind of the professional line as the work that we've talked with the estheticians, uh, a new technology platform that we've been working on in collaboration with those estheticians uh, that are coming out as well. And then we've really been uh, working on a lot of the co-creation with our community. Yep. And so we have a really interesting Discord community where uh the work that we do in the lab and all these iterations of using data, we started to open that up. And we said, you know, why not think about 
development and product development very differently mm. and do that with our consumers. You know, we're doing this with data, but why not do that live? And so uh, we started to open that up and allow people to access, you know, early formulations and get feedback, uh, you know, at the at the earliest stages of this process. And it's been really, really fun and really, really interesting uh, because both for us and, as well as for our consumers and customers, because no one's been able to input into that before right as i yeah, said yesterday exactly. skincare has been a one-way conversation you get the product and that's it there's exactly. no way to feedback the brand yeah. says great here's my conversation yeah. it comes in the form of a product yeah. and maybe you leave a review but why not think about that fundamentally differently mm. and why not invite people into the lab and the, under the tent so to speak uh and so those things i've been i've been really really excited about and so um yeah if anyone you know kind of listening and hearing this is yeah. interested in those um definitely you know get at me and in, in any of the ways that we're tagged and uh we you know really really are interested in transforming how skincare functions from top to bottom and we bring a really interesting technology platform to do that and uh we're you know kind of continue to grow that community of people who believe that there's more to uh, kind of exist in skincare and honestly broader health, right? Just absolutely from, from these industries, because let's be real, like skincare is not cheap. No, it's, no, it's, it's not, not. It's yeah. not an inexpensive endeavor. Um, so we think everyone should demand a little bit more from it. And that's what we're trying to deliver. Well, look, you're doing some great stuff. I think, um, you know, fortunately seeing the presentation yesterday, understanding if people want to, log on and have a look at some of the use cases and what you're doing actually the technology is mind-blowing um using phones the rgb technology and how that actually simulates into the biological makeup of someone's skin is is kind of quite hard to get your head around but uh (laughs) i think the concept the product the business is great um it's been my pleasure to have you on thanks Chaz. it's been uh been a lot of fun thank you for having me it's a pleasure thanks very much take care cheers